What are the future trends that are sneaking up on us rapidly? Beasley Media Group Vice President of Programming Buzz Knight interviews thought leaders of today on new innovations, new methods, new strategies, and new thinking on this podcast, Healthy Paranoia. Our Healthy Paranoia podcast to date has focused on new thinking and the trends surrounding us in technology. But on this edition, we start a series of podcasts on leadership and some of the most striking and impactful examples in our history. Doris Kearns Goodwin is the Pulitzer Prize-winning author of multiple books capturing the beautiful essence of many of our presidents, from Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, FDR to LBJ in stunning and vivid detail. Her experiences working for President Lyndon Johnson shaped her passion and brilliance as a historian, and her new book, Leadership in Turbulent Times, focuses on the four presidents in an examination about their growth and development of leadership. Well, Doris, this is our final episode together. We've been uh, spending time uh, talking about the new book, Leadership in Turbulent Times, available now from Simon & Schuster. And there's so much to distill and bring together from the amazing new book. I thought we would discuss some of the common threads and impactful points from your four dear friends, President Lincoln, President Roosevelt, FDR, and LBJ. The first one uh, I'd like to hear from you on is uh, resilience. Um, they were all really amazingly resilient, weren't they? I mean, each one of them suffered a harrowing experience that could have undone their confidence and really their future lives. Abraham Lincoln had a near suicidal depression where they took all knives and razors and scissors from his room, and his friend comes to him and says, you must rally or you will die. And And he was able to say, I can't die now because I've not yet done anything to make any human being remember that I've lived. So that worthy ambition carried him through really a a very rocky career. I mean, he goes back to the state legislature. He runs for Congress. He wins, but then he can't run for a second term. And he runs for the Senate. He loses. He runs again. He loses again. And he still doesn't give up. He says he knows he's made a mark on the anti-slavery movement. And that's what he was looking for. And then he takes the chance of running as a dark horse candidate for the presidency, and he wins. Teddy Roosevelt loses his wife and mother on that same day in the same house, goes to the Badlands, is able to come out of his depression by riding his horse 15 hours a day. He said that black hair could be escaped, depression, if you keep moving fast enough. And he was able to come through that. He thought he would never love again. And he goes back to New York, and he gets together with this woman who had been one of his best friends when he was young, And he has a lifelong marriage with her that is totally joyful, even though he thought he was never capable of that again. In terms of FDR, the resilience is so clear of what he went through with polio and being able to come back into public life. And for LBJ, I think the real resilience took place when he had a a nearly fatal heart attack when he was majority leader of the Senate. He was just reaching the peak of senatorial power. And they told him, you'll probably never be able to go back to that kind of stressful position again. But he knew he had to, and he did. And and he said to himself in those days after the heart attack, okay, I've reached this position of power, but what will I be remembered for? If I died now, what would it make a difference? And after that, when he came back into the Senate, he got the first civil rights bill through the Senate, a weak bill admittedly, but the first one. And then as president, that becomes his, his model. The trait of uh, great memory is also consistent with all four leaders, Yeah, right? they all certainly, by the time they get into high office, had a great memory. And the interesting thing, though, is that somebody said to Lincoln, wow, what a natural gift you had. 
And he said, that's not true. I work on it. Even when the time he was a young kid, when he found a passage in a book or a play that he liked, and if he was in the field, he would carve it out with his knife on a piece of wood. And then he'd transfer it from the knife to a piece of paper. And then he'd transfer it from a piece of paper to saying it out loud among his friends. So he said, once it gets in my head, it never goes out, but it's a hard time getting in. Teddy Roosevelt did have a photographic memory. <clears throat> he could picture things he'd written or read on a page and could pull them up at any time. An eclectic sense of interest. It could be wolves, it could be you know, animals, it could be birds, it could be history, history of ancient Greece. Um, all of that was retained in his head. And the interesting thing about FDR was that Eleanor thought he had had a photographic memory too, but he mostly learned later in life, not by reading, but by listening to people. And he could remember the stories that people had told him. He could remember their names, he could remember their families, which is really important as a politician. And LBJ, once he had decided, like he'd go to a person's house when he was a young congressman, and he'd come back in the car, and he wanted to remember their names, and the best way to remember their names was to tell a story about them to him. So he talked to himself. Oh, so Farmer Jones has a wife who's got a cousin who did this, and he works on this. And then somehow it would get ingrained in his memory. And then, um, of course, the reasoning and comprehension skills that they all had, really. Uh... Well, without a question, when you think about Abraham Lincoln, what his most extraordinary trait was that he had a problem. For example, he wanted to emancipate the slaves but he knew the Constitution prevented him from doing that in states that had already agreed to slavery because slavery was considered property, property and property was respected by the Constitution. So he went to the soldier's home, which was three miles from Washington, where he could think, where he could reason. And he realized that the slaves were helping the cause of the Confederacy because they were cooks, they were working as porters, they were doing everything that was needed to that other whites would have had to do and meanwhile they're tending the plantations so the soldiers can go off to battle and that meant that they were giving an undue advantage to the Confederacy so he as commander in chief, he reasoned could free the slaves as an act of military necessity rather than just trying to do it without the authority so they all figured out ways of reasoning themselves to answers out of their problems Another consistent trait is curiosity with all of them, right? I mean, what curiosity means is that you're interested, especially in other people and other things, and you're searching outside of Washington to find them. I mean, one of the things FDR said, the last place to find answers is to stay in Washington or to stay in any organization where you're just hearing through the ordinary channels. So they were curiously interested to find out, as FDR was, he would reach below the ordinary channels if he heard of some smart young kid in a lower bureaucracy whose boss would be mad at the idea that FDR has plucked him out instead of the boss to talk to him. But he would be curious to find out, what's that guy thinking? What's he feeling? Why does he think we're doing wrong in this situation? Yeah, I think curiosity is an absolute critical quality, not just for leaders, but for human beings to grow. And then the other one consistent was the storytelling trait with right. all, of, all four of them. Yeah, all of them had learned to tell stories when they were young. I mean, Abraham Lincoln, when he was a young kid, learning how to entertain his friends with his stories. Teddy Roosevelt would read all these books, and then he would translate the books of adventure that he was reading into some fictional tale, adventurous tale, that he'd tell to his younger siblings. And they said they would wait for him night after night until he would tell one of these tales. And then he would say, next time, tomorrow, there'll be another episode. 
So they all learned the importance of communicating not through facts and figures, not through PowerPoints, but through stories of individual people. And then this good-natured optimism, right? Yeah, I think what, what any leader needs to project, even in times of trouble, even though there may be really difficult moments going on, is a sense of confidence and optimism that together we will get through this. That really is a, something contagious that people feel. I mean, it was said after FDR's first inaugural that he got thousands of letters to the White House simply saying, you know, everything's terrible. I don't have a job. Somebody wrote, my roof fell off. My dog died. My wife's not speaking to me. But everything's okay because you are there. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that ability to project some sense of confidence and morale building from a leader to a team and then maybe to a country as a whole. All of them but LBJ figured out uh, relaxation, right? All of them were able, Lincoln going to the theater a hundred times, Teddy Roosevelt spending two hours every afternoon in exercise. It could be a raucous tennis game or a wrestling match or a boxing match or a, a crazy walk along the wooded cliffs of Rock Creek Park. FDR had a cocktail party every night during World War II where the rule was that you couldn't talk about the war. You could talk about gossip, movies, books, anything, as long as for a few hours he could relax and replenish himself. And only LBJ could never relax. I mean, even when I was swimming with him in the pool that he had at his ranch, he had floating rafts with floating notepads and floating telephones on the rafts, so you could hardly move in the pool because he wanted to keep working, even in the pool. And he would stay up late at night just worrying whether bombs had hit in Vietnam rather than trying to find some way to sleep through relaxation. Um, work was everything for him. And how about leadership by example with all four of them? I think there's no question of that. They know that they're building a team and that the team is going to take their cues from you. So it depends on whether you keep your word, whether you're consistent with them, whether you are somebody who's working hard, who's showing that, that, that work ethos matters, whether you share credit, whether you shoulder blame, all of the things that you do, the, the team is going to replicate. So they all understood the importance of leading by example. I love how you end the book, and I'll let you say it yourself here, your, your, your last line about leadership and humanity. Yeah, I mean, what I really feel is that when you think about what are the traits that make a great leader, that means that a leader understands human nature and that they're able to control their emotions when they're negative. They're able to give credit to people who work with them. They're able to exude confidence. They're able to treat people kindly with sensitivity, with emotional intelligence. And these are qualities that are not necessarily just for leaders. They're for all of us. And I think Lincoln, more than anyone, exemplifies that. There was something about him, even when I was working on my book about him, before and then this time again, where you felt if you could be in his presence, not that he didn't feel the normal human emotions of envy or anger or jealousy, but he knew if you allowed those emotions to fester, they would poison you, so he would damp them down. So I think if we can learn from that, we can learn from somebody who just understood people and had that kindness and sensitivity to be a great leader, it would help us in our daily lives, not just simply as leaders. Well, Doris, you embody all of these great uh, leadership qualities as I was reading the book yourself. I appreciate your generosity and your friendship. Congrats on the Thank great you, book. Thank you, Buzzy. I'm so glad we could do this together. Thank you so much. Thanks to Doris Kearns Goodwin for sharing her insights from her new book, Leadership in Turbulent Times, now available from Simon & Schuster. 
Thanks for listening to Healthy Paranoia with Buzz Knight. Steady production guidance provided by Boston Beasley Media Group's Mark Clark.